Okay, so a couple of things here to kick off the program, and welcome to uh, another week of hockey and the Alex Ovechkin chase of Gordie Howe. Interesting that the uh, the Capitals are playing the Detroit Red Wings tonight. Dun, 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 dun. Will Vili Huso be the goaltender of record should Ovechkin catch and beat uh, the late, great Gordie Howe? Uh, more on that in a moment. Uh, the big news of the morning as it relates to, uh, to players and contracts is Stuart Skinner of the Edmonton Oilers, who uh, has signed a three-year Contract extension, the AAV on this one is $2.6 million. Uh, here's how it breaks down, 2.3, 2.5, and 3 over the next three years to uh, to Stuart Skinner, who is one of those players, one of those goaltenders that at the beginning of the season, we looked at the tandem and said, mm, would it be a surprise if at the end of the season, the quote-unquote backup ended up taking the starter's job? Like we wondered about that with the Florida Panthers, right? It'd be that, okay, mm, so I know Bobrovsky's on the big ticket, but maybe Spencer Knight can take the starting. Mm, yeah, may- I think we're starting to wonder about that as well uh, with Kachetkov in Carolina. He looks really, really good, and they're going to have some big decisions to make when all three goaltenders are healthy now. The caveat being in Carolina, when are the other two goaltenders always healthy? The answer has been seldom, if ever. Um, so that may not be much of a conversation, but nonetheless... Um, and it looks like Stuart Skinner, you know, very much, at least for now, again, at least for now, uh, is the one that uh, the Oilers seem more comfortable putting in there. And certainly fans overwhelmingly, again, not that Twitter is the ultimate audit, but it's an instant one, uh, one that Oilers fans uh, seem to really like. This it looks like a win for the Oilers. Uh, 2.6 AAV, three-year deal for Stuart Skinner. Uh, a couple of things we're going to go over here with Elliot Friedman in a couple of moments. Um, his report on the Vancouver Untouchable. Uh, that would be Elias Pettersson. And what that means for everybody else on the roster. Should probably park some time talking about Ovechkin uh, and the chase. The Detroit Red Wings are playing the Capitals, as I mentioned tonight. By the way, Charlie Lindgren starts again for the Washington Capitals. You know, someone told me in the offseason that on a on a down-low basis, that may be the most low-key good signing of any team. And so far, Lindgren has looked fantastic for the Washington Capitals, was outstanding last year in the American Hockey League, and has carried that over to the NHL. Darcy Kemper, by the way, uh, will be in the lineup. He will, uh, he will dress as the backup tonight. So good to see him back uh, with the Washington Capitals. Um, a couple of things as well. Oh, uh, bad, more bad news. Like maybe just put this one in the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put it in the over there pile. More bad news for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Boone Jenner out four weeks, fractured thumb. He'll have surgery. Like as if things can't get any worse for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now Boone Jenner, and we all know that they are dying for defensemen in Columbus. Boone Jenner out four weeks. Um, also we should spend, and we probably should have in the last couple of weeks, and we'll do it today with Vince Mercogliano from blowhut.com, seven straight wins for the New York Rangers. And you always wonder, okay, so what was the turning point? What was the breaking point? What switched everything here? How did things turn around? And it may seem frivolous. You may look at me and say, Merrick, we knew you were dumb, but we didn't know you were stupid. Did everything change when Jacob Truba threw his helmet? Did everything change when he chucked his helmet and <laughs> would skate it off? Uh, because since then, this Rangers team has been a beast. And I know they didn't have the most difficult opponents this weekend, 
doubling up the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday and just tuning up the Chicago Blackhawks yesterday to the tune of 7-1. to one. But this Ranger team is heating up, as are the Carolina Hurricanes, who are now tied with the New Jersey Devils for first in the Metropolitan. That's a hot division when you factor in the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. And the Rangers. Devils are the coolest. They've now lost five in a row. Uh, they remain the most interesting division, perhaps, uh, in all of hockey. And one thing that I always like to, to mention here on, on this date, um, on this day in 1917, yes, we are celebrating an anniversary around the NHL today, folks. We saw the debut of the original four. The original four? Yes, the original four teams in 1917. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Ottawa Senators 7-4. to four. That was in Ottawa. The Montreal Wanderers in Montreal beat Toronto, the unnamed team. Just beat Toronto by a final score of 10-9. to nine. The only enduring team from those four are the Montreal Canadiens, to which I always say, There's no such thing, there's no such thing as the original six. It doesn't exist. There's only an original one, the Montreal Canadiens. Everybody else in the history of the NHL is an expansion team. Welcome to the Merrick Show. Let's get going. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the uh, program. We do have a trade. I'm just getting this here. Uh, The Maple Leafs have sent Dennis Mulgan to the Colorado Avalanche. Dryden Hunt comes back the other way. So a a small-ish deal, um, but nonetheless, Mulgan for Hunt. That is the very latest. And as far as contracts go, as I mentioned off the top, uh, Stuart Skinner with a three-year deal, $2.6 million. Want to let you know what else is coming up on the program. Going to talk to Corey Lavalette here in a couple of moments. Corey from... Uh, the North State Journal carry, uh, covering the Carolina Hurricanes, Allison Lucan, Seattle Kraken analyst. Uh, big win over in the, the uh, Winnipeg Jets last night after losing five of their past six. But nonetheless, uh, the Seattle Kraken continue to be a story around the NHL. And kind of going to do a, a rundown of the entire Kraken roster as the, the holiday break is on the horizon. The, the Christmas pause is, is coming up because they really have been one of the bright spots and one of the uh, the surprise stories. And I think one of the interesting things about the Seattle Kraken, too, is normally when you see situations like this where a team completely turns it around and, boom, they're in a they're in a playoff spot right now, third in the Pacific, but when you look at winning percentage, they should actually be in second. You say to yourself, well, man, the goalies must be on heaters, right? Wow, Grubauer and Jones, they must be – well, they're not, actually. Not that they're doing it despite the goaltending, but they're just doing it with – Average goaltending. So how are the Seattle Kraken doing this? Uh, we'll talk about that in hour two. Also, I mentioned we're going to talk to Vince Mercogliano from Lohud. Uh, seven straight for the Rangers. Uh, another great outing for Igor Shosturkin. Um <laughs> One of the funniest things in recent memory, not sure if you watched that game last night on, on ESPN, the, uh, the Rangers and the Chicago Blackhawks. Maybe you stayed with it for the first period. And then when it was, it was obvious this thing was going to be a blowout, maybe uh, you went out to, to sort your sock drawer or something more interesting. I don't know. Um, but Jacob Truba. Now, if we go back a few weeks, that game between the, uh, the Blackhawks and the Rangers, which was the last time the Rangers lost, by the way, uh, we can remember the big hit, Jacob Truba on Andreas Athanasiu. Clean hit, devastating hit. I know Blackhawks fans didn't like it. I know Truba haters didn't like it. But still, 
And the comments afterwards from Andreas Athanasiu, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, saying something along the lines of, I makes uh, $8 million, hasn't scored any goals, so he's got to do something, I suppose. And then yesterday, Jacob Truba, after scoring his second goal in his mini games, by the way, his second goal, he scored against Philly, he scores against the Chicago Blackhawks, skates over to Andreas Athanasiu. And if you can read lips, you can see it clearly with Truba saying, do you want the puck? Oh, dagger. Do you want the puck? Oh, I'll sign it for you. Afterwards, uh, Elliot Friedman is aboard from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. How are you doing today, Freach? I'm good. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing well. Um, it seems like about a cozy five minutes ago, you and I spoke on a podcast that just dropped. So uh, we'll try to come up with uh, some fresher things uh, to talk about today <laughs> so we don't repeat ourselves. But And, and there are a few things. Uh, I want to get to the uh, the Maple Leafs and the uh, the Colorado trade, Morgan for Hunt here in a couple of seconds. But uh, the news of the morning, Stuart Skinner, three-year contract extension. The AAV is 2.6, and the way it breaks down is 2.3, 2.5, and 3. Your thoughts on this one, both from the goalie's perspective, and congratulations to Stuart Skinner. That's, uh, that's very nice money. Uh, and from an Oilers perspective as well, I would look at that and say, that's a really good contract for this team. Well, first of all, I, uh, I have to tell you, I don't like you making my job here redundant by breaking stories now. I'm not, I'm not happy with this, Mary. The new insider. Stay off my turf. Stay off my turf. Uh, no, good, great scoop. Great scoop by you, three times 2.6. If you, if you take a look at some of the young goalie deals recently, it fits. Kachekov, four times two. Vladar, I think, was two times 2.6. So, you know, it fits. You know, it's the second time in recent years they've walked someone right to UFA. They did it with Darnell Nurse, and that worked out very well for Nurse, and we'll see where it goes for Skinner. But I I think if you take a look at your goaltending combination and you believe in it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously Campbell has really struggled this year so far, but 7.6 for goalies is not bad at all. Uh, especially if uh, if the cap uh, does go up as we're expecting. So, you know, I'm happy for Skinner. He's played really well. Uh, he's been their better goalie this year. Um, and uh, I think it's when you take a look at what the market's been established for guys of yeah. uh, his kind of level, it's a, it's a very fair contract. You know, considering that we're... Um we're seeing now so more than more than ever, obviously, the days of the you know, playing 70-plus are, are, are in the rearview mirror. That's not happening anymore. And every team, once upon a time, you know, Dallas had to do it, whether, you know, they had Lettinen and Antti Niemi, you know, they had to split the games because, um, mainly because travel was so bad. Like, it was just a necessity for the Dallas Stars. Now everybody, yeah. is, not, now everybody is doing it. Not that Dallas was the originators of this, uh, but now everyone's doing it. We don't have a starting goaltender and a backup. We have a one and we have a 1A. Oh. Or we have a 1A and a 1B, however they want to phrase it. Um, do you think we've seen the last of the mammoth goalie contracts? considering that well, the, no one's going to really be expected to play more than like, what do you figure for each 50, 55 games max? It's a, it's a great question, Jeff. Um, like the thing is though, like my question is what happens when the playoffs start? I think it was John Madden who came up with the line that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Yeah. And I've heard that kind of thing said in hockey before. If you have two goalies, you don't have one. Like, for example, if we are, when we get into the playoffs this year, you know, let, let's just say Edmonton gets in there and wins a couple rounds. Are we going to see, uh, you know, Jack Campbell and Stuart, Splinter, Stuart Skinner go 60-40? Like, that, that's when I think we really are seeing a difference. 
mm-hmm. because right now, Tampa Bay, we know who's starting every game. Yep. Every single one of them. But hang on. I would, I, I, I would add with Tampa, though, to, to, to interrupt, I would add that they are still one of those teams that you look at, and with all due respect to Brian Elliott, we do look at that and we say that is a starter backup situation, okay, but period. Let, let, me, let, me, let me continue here for a sec. You're yeah. right. But like Kerry Price, when he was healthy, yeah. how many times have we here in the last few years we want Kerry Price only to play 55 regular season games, and that's why they went out and got Jake Allen. Yep. But when the playoffs started, Carey Price okay, was playing Price. every one of those games. Yep, that's fair. So, like, that, that's the thing I want to see here because, look, Vasilevsky, he's got a big deal, and there's an obvious reason. Carey Price had a big deal, and there's an obvious reason. Now, do I think we could see more and more tandems? Yeah, I, I, I think we're clearly there. But to me, Jeff, where you really make your legacy and where you really make your money mm-hmm. is in the playoffs, right? So are we going to get to situations where teams are doing this in the playoffs? And if the answer is yes, then I could see there being fewer and fewer of those big goalie deals. But if the answer is no, then they're still going to be there because you're number one who wins, who wins 16 games and plays 25 en route to a Stanley Cup. He's still going to make big blue as one of my friends. <laughs> the, uh, the, because it just because it hasn't happened, like I think my only point through all of this fridge is, you know, you try to follow trends. Okay, w- w- what way is the game going? How what's what's this position doing? Uh, what is gameplay doing? Where's game theory at on on, uh, on on hockey right now? I just look at the the number of you know teams that have essentially two starters by traditional standards and say to ourselves, how far away are we from doing exactly what you're talking about? Doing the 60 mm-hmm. 40, or dare I say the 50 50. Like, all it's going to take, you know, this, Freeze. Like, all it's going to take is one team being successful. All it's going to take is one team winning the Stanley Cup with the goaltenders flip flopping games. And maybe they have a left catch goalie and a right catch goalie, and someone goes, Ooh, yeah, that's smart. Confuse the shooters on the other team. And then everybody will follow it. Like, all it's going to take is one. Yeah, maybe. I like, I like, I think the one thing we see in sports now is that trends change, definitely change over time. And I think the increased use of analytics in sports has definitely led to more changes that we haven't been used to before. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that, like, my, my dad's an accountant and a good one. He's been a chief financial officer of, of companies before, so I understand uh, analytics, and I understand the place for them and the way a lot of analytically inclined people think. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Jeff, we're dealing with people. And we aren't robots yet. We're getting there. Like, the more I... I, I the, we're, get, we're, we're getting there. I mean, it's only a matter of a couple centuries, I think, before we're all, like, oh, human cyborg not that, not kind that, of things. Not that far. Not that far. We're, we're, but right, we're, but we're right, getting there. But right now, while you're, while you're flesh and blood... The, I, I think even the best analytically inclined decisions are always going to be undone by human behavior. And I, I, re, I realize that's a really deep conversation and probably a lot deeper than you and I are capable of, but I always think that way. I think we're heading that way uh, where we're half human, half technology. Even just notice how you feel when you leave your phone at home. Like you feel like you've left a body part somewhere. So I think that not so subtly we're being led down that 
that path anyway, Freed. It feels like, you know, you left I'm your... going to start calling you Jeffrey Mnemonic. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is Jeffrey Mnemonic. Uh, I think we're all getting there eventually, pal. I think we're all heading that direction. Um, okay, uh, how big on a scale of one to a blazing fire was that Calgary Flames win last night against the San Jose Sharks? And yes, I know it's the San Jose Sharks, but how, yeah, big, is, how, how big is that win for the Flames? Last, and how big is that goal uh, for Lucic? Blazing fire, blazing fire. Um, they needed that win, and and you know what? I don't I don't like that. Like it was only San Jose. I mean, all you can do is beat the team on your schedule. That's the team on your schedule. You have to find a way to beat them. Uh, you know, watching that game last night. Um, I mean, Lucic the goal. It's going wide. It hits Carlson and goes in. And you can tell how much that meant to Lucic because he made sure to argue that that was his goal. Like, he wanted that one bad, bad, super bad, well, actually. 60, 60, was it 62 games without a, without a goal? For sure. I'd want the same thing. Something like it. And also benched, like, taking out of the lineup. Yep. Um, you know, he, like, he wanted that goal bad. And uh, I think it's always a reminder that uh, just how much pride uh, a lot of these players have in themselves. Uh that, that was a huge win for Calgary. It was, you know, the, like you, you can feel the tension uh, around there, um, you know, from provinces away. Um, you know, they spent a lot of money. I'll, I'll tell you, I had an interesting conversation with someone this morning about Huberto. Okay. And he, and he said, and this person said, and this is a former player, uh, play, played in the U.S. and played in Canada. He said, he thinks it's going to take Huberto all year to adjust. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And he goes, nope. He said, it's, it's going to take him all season. Like he, said, like he said to me, he wouldn't be surprised if Huberto isn't Huberto until next year. And I'm like, you have to be kidding me. Wow. And, and, because the way I, I look at it is, if I, like in, in, in my job, okay, if I was to switch companies and I was bad for a year, and people could argue I've been bad for 30 years, but uh, I, I was bad for a year. Like people would say, like, get going. And I said, and, I, and he said, and I said, how can you, I, I said, how can you say that? He goes, it happens all the time. He says, look how many players are unrestricted free agents and switch teams and have a bad first year because they have a difficult time living up to their con- new contract, their new big contract. And he said, no, this guy was not a free agent. He goes, but it was a shock trade. He was not expecting it. Mm-hmm. He's gone from Florida to Calgary. He's gone from Andrew Burnett to Daryl Sutter. He's gone from the way one team plays to the way another team plays. The expectations in Florida versus the expectations anywhere in Canada. He said that it's going to take this guy a long time. And he says, and, and the thing is, even though he's not a UFA, he's, he, he's signing, he signed a big contract, which to be honest, Jeff, he hasn't earned a penny from yet because it doesn't take effect yeah. until next year. <clears throat> yeah. And he's already feeling the pressure. And he said he was been watching him, and he had one of his uh, great passes last night, sure did. which was a good sign to set up a goal early in the third period. But he said to me, he thinks that you have – he said that everybody has to look at Jonathan Huberto mm-hmm. as an unrestricted free agent who just signed a big deal, and except it's even more jarring to him because it was a trade. And he said, how many free agents have a bad first year? 
He says a lot of them do, and he says that's the way he looks at Huberto, and he says he thinks it could take all year for him to adjust. And and that's going to be tough for the Flames and their fans to hear. So that's an interesting comment because, and I think both conferences now, more so than ever, are more similar than they are different. Like I think that, you know, pretty much the whole league is, is, is kind of playing the same way or variations of the same way. But you'll remember, yeah. like, between what it must have been, like 10, maybe 15 years ago, Freege, and you saw this with defensemen specifically. Defensemen that went from the East to the West struggled. And they struggled for a while until they got used to how the game was played in the Western Conference. You didn't see it as much with the forwards, but you saw it with the blue liners. It was almost like, look, if we're going to bring in someone from the Eastern Conference to the West, you know, we have to bake into the pie. There's going to be a learning curve here, and it's probably going to take a couple of months and maybe a few months. But we don't really see that much anymore. I mean, the the, the, the way the game is played is, is more similar than different, as I mentioned, in, in both conferences. But that used to really be pronounced with defensemen. And it was only going one way. It was like, it was incredible. Like, it would always happen. You're like, wow, wow, why is this guy struggling? Oh, yeah. Uh, he doesn't have that extra half second that he had in the East to make the decision on the outlet, or the gap is just that much tighter in the Western Conference. Again, it's all different, but just hearing you talk about Huberto just reminds me of that time, you know, not that long ago where uh, defensemen really struggled. Um, all right, a couple of more hey, things. Hey, you know what, Jeff? I, I, I said to this guy, I said, well, I thought maybe that would have changed after Huberto had that big game in Florida yeah. and he scored the, the big shootout goal. And and the guy said to me, no, that's an awful theory. It's still going to take longer. <laughs> How often do you hear that? That's an awful theory. I mean, outside of from, I, me. from from you all the time, <laughs> all the time. Okay. Do you believe that there is poetry in hockey? And if so, does Ovechkin beat Howe tonight against the Detroit Red Wings, Gordy's old team? Uh, well, I was listening to Mark Howe on the show on Saturday with uh, Ron, and he couldn't be there on the weekend for the game against Toronto. But I believe Mark and Marty are going to be there yes, tonight. Yes, they are. Uh, so, I, I mean, uh, I think I'd say yes. I, I think it. I think it. I think at the very least tonight he ties it, um, and it wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise me if it, if he broke it. Like this is their last home game uh, of this stretch, right? Because they got to go to Ottawa on Thursday, and uh, you could see him also doing it against Ottawa. So. I'm going with yes. Tonight's the night. Uh, did you see Jeff Jurdat's tweet last night? For those who don't know, Jeff Jurdat's one of our um, one of our producers uh, at Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. So Jurdat was doing the Capitals game on the weekend, and he had the Hockey Night towel. One of them had 801 above the Hockey Night logo, and the other had 802. Just in oh. case, just in case, oh, like, Jurdat was ready for. And they look they're collectors' items now, but they look gorgeous. Uh, I'm not sure whether you had a chance to have a peek at those two or not, but I, I did. I didn't see those. No, I, I, I didn't. I, uh, um, I, I'm sure. I'm sure you have a hockey night in Canada towel story. You want to hear mine? Sure. I was doing a Montreal Canadiens San Ho- a rinkside for Montreal and San Jose, and after the morning skate, I remember talking to Ryan Clo. and he said, "You know, I really want to get one of those towels," and I said, "Like, well, you know." You can, do something, you know, do something, and I can request you for the interview. And he's like, okay, 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 I'll do, I'll do that. And Ryan Clo, <laughs> I think in the period, had either two goals or one goal and one assist and fought George LaRock. 
and like didn't even go in the room. He was just waiting for me at the end of the period <laughs> to give him his hockey <laughs> hockey night in Canada towel. Uh, do you have a hockey night in Canada favorite towel story for each from your days doing rinkside? There were nights like that. I have to say it, Jeff. You're you're not the only person who ever told a player do something in a period so you can get a towel. Yeah. So I definitely did that too. Um, I would say that uh, I, I remember Marty Saint Louis had a six-point night in uh, in uh, Calgary. I think it was I think it was the year they won the Stanley Cup in Tampa, but not during the final. I think it was during the regular season. He had a six-point night. Right. And uh, you know he got the interview at the end of the game. He goes, he handed me the towel back. And I said, I said that's yours. He goes, I get to keep this. And I think he was more excited about that than the six points. <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember once uh, bumping into Jamal Mayers, who's now a colleague. Um, yes. And he mentioned, like, how do I get one of those towels? I got one once, but my brother used it when he dyed his hair and wrecked it. How do I get one of those towels? Like, you're right. Like, players will go will go out of their way uh, to to get these things. Um, okay. Back to hockey talk here. So the Metropolitan Division, really interesting around the top. The New Jersey Devils are cold. I want to get your thoughts on that. And they've now lost five in a row. Uh, Carolina, yeah. on the other hand, have won five in a row. The Rangers, I mentioned off the top, and we talked extensively at the uh, uh, the podcast about this. Um, they've now won seven games in a row. Yeah. I have a thought, and to say nothing of how Pittsburgh is playing right now, uh, is this the hottest division in the NHL right now, the Metropolitan, the Penguins, the Hurricanes, the Rangers? I would think so. I mean, uh, you know, the thing with me, um, the, the thing with me that I, I, I kind of look at with the Devils is it was only, like it was only a matter of time, right? Like even the Bruins, who have been incredible, it's going to happen. Like, I, I mean, I just, I don't overreact to the Devils. I just, they, they had an incredible swing to start the year. And also, don't forget it, they were really down to uh, a deep situation in their goalies because guys were getting hurt. Yep. So, even though, like, Schmidt really battled, and I really liked that kid, yeah. it was only a matter of time for them. And so, I don't, I don't panic about it. The Rangers, I thought, were better than they showed. I think a few players had to get back to their level, and they're kind of there now. Um, so I'm not surprised at all the Rangers are better. And I think Carolina is one of the best teams in the league. Now, I, I think after that, we're going to – we between Washington and the Islanders here, uh, like a couple of these teams have to figure out where they are. And then there's, you know, Philly and Columbus at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I'm not surprised that this division is as competitive as it looks. You know, I got one Devils fan who sent me a note. They're like panicking. We're doomed. And I'm like, <laughs> settle down, settle down. You guys have banked the points. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. Um, like it was, it was just, a, like, I, I just think like the Devils were not as good as that because nobody's as good as that. And the Rangers were not as bad as they started. And I think both things are true, but I, you know, I, I hope we get a Devils Rangers series. Like that's something I really oh, want to yeah. see. Devils Rangers first round. That would just be awesome. It would be awesome. And I hope, I hope somehow we get it. Uh, Well, we can get it. And you know, Pittsburgh too, Pittsburgh too. Like again, like I just think a team with, with Crosby 
you know they're going to be fine. They go through ups and downs because they're not as deep as they'd like to be, but you know they're going to be fine. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, if we, if we got a first round of Carolina-Pittsburgh, because that was a really good game last night, yep. and Islanders, oh, sorry, and Rangers, either Rangers-Islanders or Rangers-Devils, or even Devils-Islanders, that would be fantastic. How'd you, speaking of Penguins, how'd you like that Chris Letang save on the empty net last night? That might, that might have been the play of the night. May have been the play of the weekend. What a great play by Chris Letang. He took Jordan Stahl off his feet last night, too. Actually, was on Carolina's second goal. Stahl got an assist for it. Yeah, he's strong, But man. there aren't too many guys who can take he's, Jordan Stahl down like that. You know, he is, like, he's just like that raw bone, light a match off of him, tough. That's, uh, that's Letang. Uh, quickly, uh, the Boston Bruins, uh, first to 50, 50 out of a possible 60 points. Rage. It's insane. (laughs) 50 out of a possible 60. First of 50, Boston Bruins. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like, just just like a heck of a team. Like a machine. Like an absolute machine of a team. And Swayman almost scored a goal. And Swayman almost got one himself. You You know what it is? You know what it is, Jeff? It's that they're like they're led by players, and 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 you look at you know Chara was there; he's gone now. But Bergeron, Marchand, McAvoy, uh, Krejci, Pasternak, like all their best players are pros. It's like forget the noise. This is this is what we have to do to win, and they all do it. They're all committed to it on the ice, off the ice. Um, you know, th- like they do the same thing every game. You go, everybody knows what their power play is. Everybody yeah. kind of understands what their face-off plays are. But they, st- they still do it. Like you know how they're going to beat you, and they still beat you because they're, mm-hmm. they're committed to it. Now, Montgomery has changed the way they play this year a little bit. Yeah. Like, like uh, this is a league where there's, where there's a lot of – uh, shot quantity versus shot quality arguments. Yep. And, you know, Justin Bourne wrote a great piece last week about Calgary and shot quality. I thought that was an, an excellent piece. Um, but, like, he's – but uh, Montgomery is a shot quality guy. Mm-hmm. He's not a shot quantity guy. He's a shot quality guy. So the Bruins play a little bit differently. Uh, and, uh, and that has been an adjustment for some other teams. But still, generally, you know what they're going to do, and they still beat you. We'll be, uh, we'll be watching the waiver wire, speaking of the Boston Bruins, with Craig Smith. Yeah. What do you think happens there? We'll finish on that one. Well, they, they've been trying to move them. Like the, the problem is not the money this year. The problem is the money next year. I, I'm going to write about this tomorrow when I, whenever I get my blog done. Um, but I, I, I really think it's incumbent on the League and the Players Association to start to sort this out. I... I I really do, and I know they have time. Mm-hmm. They don't really have to do this until June, but you know, like, like I, I'm just sitting here watching this, and well, it's not exactly an apples to oranges comparison, Jeff. Or sorry, an apples to apples comparison. Yeah. Like you take a look at like uh, Kiermaier, the center fielder of the Blue Jays, just signed. Yeah. I think he hit something like 203 last year, and he's going to make nine million. Okay, Mm -hmm. and it's not the same. I understand it's not the same, but 
Like there's there's something to be said for creating the impression that your sport is healthy. And you look at that guy signing that contract and you say, you know what? Baseball is really healthy. And and that's a good thing. I, I, I like to see things that are healthy. But, you know, right now we're, we're having an argument. Should the cap go up one, only $1 million next year? Or, or should the cap go up maybe three or four? And, you know, we're sitting here and we're and, – and, and you know there's going to be a negotiation about this, and it all comes down to what everybody's willing to do for everybody else. Fine. Start now. Like, create the impression that your sport is healthy. Because it is. The, they, they, they were on the brain. They looked at the abyss during COVID. They did. Yep. And they've pulled their way out of it. I know not everybody likes all the gambling ads. I know not everybody likes... All of the rink board, rink board. Rink board advertising. Like, I understand. I understand all the complaints. But this happened, and the jersey patches, yeah. this all happened because of COVID. It, it, it's, just, it's just the way it is. But the bottom line is your revenues are going up. You're telling everybody your revenues are going up. So sit down and figure out a way that you can find another method of making your sport look healthy. And that is getting people signed and getting business done. There's just too much business in this league right now that can't happen because we don't know if the cap is going up one million next year yeah. or maybe three or four million. Okay. So sit down and figure it out. A couple like, of things. I think it's incumbent on yeah. on the leaders. I know the NHLPA is going through a leadership search, but it doesn't mean you can't sit down and hammer it out. A couple of things. One, um, uh, looking for historical precedent of that. One thing springs to mind right away. You'll remember this with the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, there was that the, the big summer of momentum, right, leading into their, their yeah. big Stanley Cup dynasty. And yeah. the summer had been quiet, I think, for three weeks. And then, you know, the, uh, the Blackhawks management was told, go spend a ridiculous amount of money on Brian Campbell. Go sign Brian Campbell to an outrageous deal just as a message. You know, get us back in the headlines. We're competing with the Cubs here. Uh, and the Bears get us back in the headlines and show that we're healthy by spending a lot of money on Brian Campbell. The other thing that I'd, that I'd point out is I think the NHL, perhaps in their mind, sees franchise value as their way to demonstrate that they're healthy. Not player contracts, not whatever you know players are getting raises, but they're looking at the impending sale of the Ottawa Senators and saying that's how it's uh, demonstrated that we're a healthy league. Agree or disagree? Yeah, but the thing is, there can be more than one metric to do that. I'm just saying I think that's how the league looks at it. And whatever they can squeeze out of the players' associate, that's historically been the truth, Elliot. You know that. Yes, yes. Um, Okay, we got to hustle. You enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We will chat soon. Got to go shower, Jeff. We got to work today. Clean up. I know we got a big interview for the podcast later on.